0: St. Faustina, you've probably heard of the Divine Mercy. Many of you probably even pray it on occasion. But there's also a lot not known about this saint that I think is pretty interesting. Things like the resistance she faced and even entering the convent to begin with, the forgery of her diary, even being tricked by an evil spirit to burn the diary altogether. My guest today wrote a book in which Faustina is featured. Therese, Faustina, and Bernadette, three saints who challenged my faith, gave me hope, and taught me How to love. It's good stuff. Here's my conversation with Elizabeth Ficichel. Hi, Elizabeth. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. Sounds like you're sitting right next to me. So good stuff. Um, Okay, well, let's talk about Faustina. October 5th, you wrote a book, and uh, it it talked about not just Faustina, but Therese and Bernadette. But is she one of your go-to's here?
1: Oh, she's absolutely one of my go-tos. She's, uh, she, um, and Therese and, and Bernadette would be my three go-tos. Um, but I think she offers all of us so much right now. And, um, because I always ascribe that virtue of hope to that saint. And I think, boy, do we need this hope? Do we need this mercy? Uh, more than ever. It's just like the world just, just can, continues to spin out of control. And I think it's these saintly Friends we have that can really help us keep grounded and remember, okay, keep our eyes on Jesus, keep our eyes on Jesus, mm-hmm. no matter what happens, no matter the storms let 's talk
0: about her life her parents they they really were kind of reluctant to uh to have her or allow her to go into religious life
1: yeah she um you know after having a few mystical accounts when she was uh just like seven. Um, by the time she, you know she was a teenager, she just she loved the mass, she loved the Lord, she felt He was calling her to religious life just to, to devote her life to him. But when she did bring that up at the age of like seventeen, her parents were not um, supportive at all and there 's really two reasons for that it wasn 't that they were bad people, um, but one of the reasons is um, that first of all, they lived in a very small farming town mm-hmm. in um, Gligović, Poland, and there were no religious convents. Around so there were no nuns, you know, at the church or or whatever that they were exposed to. So, to pursue religious life meant you had to go to one of the cities, and so that was one drawback. But the other and more practical reason was um, there was ten children in the family, Mm -hmm. and Faustina, you know, was the third of those ten children. So she was one of the older ones. She was a girl, and she was really needed just to help care for everybody at home, the siblings. So uh, they did not support her in that desire. And the important thing is she obeyed. She listened to her parents.
0: Well, and if it wasn't hard enough to get in her parents' permission, it was hard to actually enter religious life as well. They, They didn't make it easy on her.
1: Yeah, no, no, not at all. And I think this is where virtue begins to develop. You know, most of the saints and all of us have obstacles and we have to kind of stay the course. And she trusted and had faith in God that if this was his call, that it would work out eventually. And it does, but she sort of has to basically run away, um, you know, to to do this. And that. that's a heartbreak for her. She doesn't want to deceive her parents or anything. But the call of the Lord uh, the following year the, when she's 18, she's at that dance and she has that vision of him, you know, he's saying to her, "How long are you going to keep putting this off? How long are you going to keep making me wait?" Her story is just remarkable. I mean, you're at a
0: dance and the Lord appears to you. You go to you go to a chapel there and the Lord appears to you. I mean, it's just it's really beautiful. She ends up entering the religious life. Um, she had problems. I mean, I, when I've read her stuff, she didn't. It was she wasn't taken to uh, by the other sisters just you know easily. Uh, there were some sisters that didn't like her at all.
1: No, and and it wasn't because she had a callous personality, yeah. um, but she had ongoing communication with the Lord. She was con- hearing him in her in her heart, you know, in her interlocutions at times, seeing him. So she had such a deep mystical life for about eight years that um, she was very inward a lot. And so they thought she was more, you know, quirky and and stuff like that and and it was those little jobs they gave her because she was pretty simple, she didn't have a lot of education. So she was a doorkeeper and a gardener and a cook and in that, you know, kind of mundane chores day in day out, she was able to really have a lot of those mystical experiences. So the the other sisters weren't just being, you know, bad people again. They just, they just didn't understand her. She was a little bit Odd. And then when when she does begin to tell her confessors what's going on, they think she's totally nuts mm-hmm. because, you know, w- what she was claiming was just so hard for them to believe that she had that kind of communication with the Lord on a regular basis. Yes.
0: I mean, the Lord appearing to her uh, speaking words that she's writing down there uh, in a diary. Um, and, you know, I, wasn't there a period of time? I'm just throwing this out. There's something I remember. She she thought these were from the devil or she asked if they're mm-hmm. from the devil. What, what is that story?
1: Yeah, um Father Michael Sapachko, who was her confessor at the time was the one who instructed her to write down her thoughts, to write down uh what she was seeing and and what she was hearing from the Lord and she did that out of uh obedience. Um but then she had a vision and uh this is where, you know, what I call them, Sparky gets involved and uh she gets a false direction to burn that diary mm. that it was all, you know, ego and and that kind of thing, it was This vanity, was a devil. And, of oh, yeah obviously it was a, a spirit of darkness not a spirit of light mm-hmm. and uh so she throws the diary in the fire i mean this was after she had worked on it some time wow. uh and it is destroyed and father Sapachko says that was not from god start again mm-hmm. and she does she starts all over again i mean this is a handwriting and and it turns out to be a 600 page book i mean this is a big book and um but it's 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 so full of light for all of us so
0: and some people may say, you know, at the end of her life, oh, well, everything just kind of streamlined to canonization. Not true. I mean, there were there was a lot of resistance to have her canonized.
1: Yeah, there absolutely was. Um, and, and and you know, first of all, the the whole devotion, the spread of the devotion, was stymied in a lot of ways in her own country of Poland because when she passes away, like at 1938, nineteen thirty eight, nineteen thirty nine, now you know. Hitler's marching across Poland and the Soviets are right behind them. And there's all this, uh, you know, communist pressure going on. So the communists don't want the spread of Catholicism in Poland because that's something that would unify the people, make them strong. Mm. So they were interested in breaking all of that. So they wanted no part of the devotion. So it was dangerous to promote that devotion in the beginning. I mean, a lot of stuff had to go underground, be smuggled and all that kind of stuff. Copies of, of writings to testify this, the image, that kind of thing. Um, And then one of these, uh, what the communists did, which was very clever, they falsified um, the diary, that copy of the diary, and that's what ended up getting to the Vatican. Um, And it was John the 23rd who received a falsified copy of that. And when, you know, whoever he commissioned to look at this looked at it, there was errors in it, there was Mm. obvious errors in it, and they couldn't, they couldn't, you know, condone it, they couldn't pass it. So they're that ban was put on it but um in time that would be reversed but that was another hardship and faustina was told though that this would be met with great resistance because look at the fruits of divine mercy today i mean we can see that this is really meant for our day and age and and you can see why why the evil one would have been very very anxious to suppress it
0: yeah i mean it it would only take uh, a polish pope to be able to uh, figure this stuff out oh and by the way that happened
1: yeah, and he was when when John Paul was a priest, he had read an a, an authentic copy of the diary, so he knew uh, from the very be- you know beginnings that this was authentic, that this was something important. And of course, he is the one who lifted the ban on the diary. He's the one who canonized Faustina as the the first saint of the new millennium, and you know, has was quoted to say it was the most important work he did was was bringing the divine mercy forward and died on the feast of divine mercy, you know, mm. so or the vigil rather, so. Yeah, so he was um, just a, another great, uh, wonderful um, part of this whole Divine Mercy story. Now, now Father Michael Sapochko, Sh- how do you Sipachko. pronounce it? Yeah, Sapochko. Is his canonization up or has his cause been opened? He is beatified. Yeah. He is blessed, Michael wow, Sapochko. And I know that. as I said, yeah, he, he is the confessor. Benedict um, beatified him. And so I guess I'll wait for the a second miracle, you know, for the process of canonization. But this is a man who had to put his life on the line, literally, to promote divine mercy, because at that time in Poland, if you were caught doing something like that, it meant absolute jail, you know, if not worse. And you know, so he and, and he put himself out there, you know, at the, the ridicule of some of his peers who thought, you're crazy. What? What is this? What are you getting behind right yeah. now? You know, because it was private devotion, right? So it's you, know, you have to have these things tested. And, and so this was not yet tested. And and. And so he really did so much to stand by Faustina. Once, once he started believing her, he was a little skeptical in the beginning too. But he recognized this was truth. And, and like I said, he did everything possible. And then he he lived long enough to see that falsified copy get to the Vatican and the ban um you know be inflicted but then he he died before the ban was lifted but i'm sure where he is he he knows that that devotion continues today no so doubt
0: about it therese faustina and bernadette three saints who challenged my faith gave me hope and taught me how to live elizabeth ficacelli uh, friends if you want to learn more about elizabeth her works or books also uh bring her in maybe do a parish mission or speak for uh, your certain conference you can go to where elizabeth
1: uh, just ElizabethFicacelli.com.
0: All right. Hey, thanks so much for coming on, Elizabeth. Always, a, always an honor. Always a joy. All thanks. Right. Talk to you soon. So there you have it, friends. This diary for me has served as an incredible resource for my prayer. It's not one of those quote-unquote books I read from beginning to end, you know. It's rather a diary that invites me into the inner life of God. I really encourage you, friends. I really encourage you, if you don't already have one, to get one, and that to use it in your prayer as well. It can change you friends. Make sure to share this and other episodes of Your Catholic Life on Facebook and Twitter, inviting them to take part in the show. Visit our website, yourcatholiclifepodcast.com as well. Thanks for tuning in today, friends. I'm John Linetti, signing off here on Your Catholic Life. Remember, the only way to happiness is by holiness. Be confident in Christ's mercy and his love.